2: Bruiser. Bruiser. Rum, rum, hey, everybody, it's your twin mill split an image bruiser, Holden
3: McNeely. and boom, boom, get your motor running. Head out on the highway, looking for adventure, and whatever comes our way, that's right, it's me, your big daddy bone shaker bruiser, Jake Young, and I'm ready to make these wheels scream! Hey,
2: big daddy bone shaker, can we go eat acid and go to a cemetery in New Orleans? Are we talking about Easy Rider today? Is that why you just said that song? I know.
3: I, I'm going to spend untold hours uh, painstakingly customizing a Corvette so that a guy stuck in traffic can go, Cool.
2: Yes, I've been watching a lot of those. We're talking about Hot Wheels by the way. I've been watching a lot of those videos of a nerd seeing a car <laughs> on the street and then surprising someone with the Hot Wheel version of their car. Mm-hmm. Uh and I'd be scared. I'd think I was immediately a part of a Saw movie Yeah, yeah. if that had happened to me and that I'd be that I'd be solving a series of riddles so that my wife doesn't get executed. Honestly,
3: I it's it's such a fascinating subculture because it would have in that moment be more believable within your imagination that like there is a serial killer tracking you and sending (laughs) you riddles rather than that walking amongst us every day are people with thousands and thousands of little metal cars in their collection. That
2: they keep track of somehow and know where the existence of each of them is. But the Hot
3: Wheels brand, uh, Mattel's famous uh, ZAMAC metal (laughs) vehicular models are... At once, a, uh, just a, a commodity, at the same time, they are a, a statement of childhood kind of imagination as it relates to the car, you know, kind of this heightened version of what an eight-year-old thinks cars should be, and also at the same time, a faithful totem of car culture from across the decades with countless models made of like uh, real-life cars, uh, there's different qualities. There's uh, the treasure hunts. There's the supers. There's the special editions. There's video games, uh, Canadian CG animated television shows with incredibly convoluted lore. Uh, it's I did not think that there'd be so much to Hot Wheels. And yet at the same time, all I can think of when I think of Hot Wheels is just like seven years old, On the floor of my childhood home, just zipping those things down the hallway and being amazed that this little thing can just almost magically just scream down the entire length of the hallway without slowing down. There was something different about a Hot Wheel that a micro machine couldn't do, yeah. that like a dollar store car couldn't do. Like the Hot Wheels hit different. They had the speed, they had the style. And uh, slowly but surely you ended up with like a hundred of them in a big bucket in your room. And I think it's 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 there's a reason why it's stuck with us all this time. Yeah, I think that's it's the consistency you're talking about
2: mixed with the wonderfully low cost uh wonderfully low price to get into it that really is the mixture like mommy mommy i want one of the hot wheel toys and it's like oh okay actually we can afford one of these whereas you know but your father will be working on christmas <laughs> day and he we will be eating mud water again tonight just so you know uh because it, it, you know that that's what they could afford for for any any family pretty much in any situation and yet at the end of the day they actually worked and they were really durable and lasted, you know? And I will say, since we're in the gutch of it, bit more of a micro machines guy myself. Mm. I don't know what, I don't know why, but I, do, I still always remember like setting up like a track and and maybe at a friend's house or maybe my own place and doing a loop de loop and it actually working and and being blown away by that. Because I feel like, especially back then, who knows what it's like now but you got kind of used to toys not actually working. Mm-hmm. You got pretty used to getting a toy that said it was going to do something really cool or looked really cool in a commercial and you crossfire I'm looking at you <laughs> and then you bring it home and it's like incredibly underwhelming and Hot Wheels always delivered and that was what was so great about them. And you got used to certain things like so you got or you got more kind of tuned in as a kid too. The toys that actually worked and the toys that kind of always led to a little bit of disappointment, you know, There was like it was like a 50-50 chance with Teenage
3: Mutant Ninja Turtle toys. Right? Oh yeah,
2: yeah, 50-50 chance. It would either be like the most crappy whatever. It's the but blimp. That, You're
3: thinking of the blimp. The blimps up. The nobody car that the shot
2: blimp. the pizzas out was cool as hell and <laughs> w- blew me away at how well that thing worked. And you could take an eye out with those fucking pizzas. But regardless, it was,
3: there was always something weird where like if you if you did get a Matchbox car, it was always something like a station wagon or like a Toyota mm-hmm. Corolla. Obviously, they had sports cars as well, but like the Hot Wheels came in weird shapes like demon crocodiles and spaceships and nonsensical hot rods.
2: Yeah, the big pair of ladies' lips on the hood of them or something like that. And you were like, yeah, I'm horny for Hot Wheels. There
3: was a hot tub. There was a hot tub Hot Wheel. There was a toilet Hot yes, Wheel. Yes, there was a They toilet. really went nuts with the designs. And uh, also just you know if you grew up in the 90s and especially in the 2000s uh you know we live in a world of plastic disposable cheap and the hot wheel toy made of the miraculous zamac alloy that stands for uh zinc aluminum magnesium and copper uh had heft to it it was rare that you had just like a chunk of metal that yeah. you, that like belonged to that's you. what it is it
2: just felt like the, the craftsmanship was so much better and yet so cheap And still today, despite I have a whole spot in here in my notes, NPR wrote a whole article about how it's like mind boggling that uh, the the Hot Wheel has survived like crazy inflation times and still hovers at around a dollar. It's they literally refer to it as a retail oddity. Uh, And for more than 50 years, this thing hit the market in the fucking late 60s and the price is held. Like a Costco hot dog. The price is hell, damn you all.
3: <laughs> wait, wait, I would never besmirch the Costco hot dog. Also, it gives you an excuse to use that weird onion dispenser, which is one of the greatest thrills of modern American life is rotating that weird handle to dispense onions. Anyway, um, the uh, obviously the uh, the modern Hot Wheel, uh, you know, the base plate is now made of plastic. They've used far less moving parts. Uh, but then there's also collector's editions. They introduced the Treasure Hunt and Super Series so that like, you know, amongst the dollar cars is something that could be worth hundreds of dollars on the collector's market. So it's kind of created this community of people that are constantly Apologies if you've ever worked at a Walmart or Target and have had to deal with some of the people that will hound you to the point of breaking into the back areas to open up crates before they can get on the pegs. But uh, it's a fierce loyalty. You know, uh, if if uh, I hear about people with these collections with like tens of thousands, 20,000 Hot Wheels, and if it's only a dollar a shot, It can build up over time. Uh, By the age of like 50 or 60, you could very well spend all this money. Um, But what I think is really interesting about uh, Hot Wheels is that what the brand represents. Mattel has launched so many Hot Wheels brands over the years. I'm thinking of stuff like the Sky, uh, what do they call them? Oh, there was something, the Jet Streaks. The crunchers, the motor-powered, attack pack tanks with firing cannons. It's like shorthand for this thing is uh, is going to be uh, mobile. It's going to be a vehicle, and it's going to be fun, and it's not going to be as tied to reality. There's something about a Hot Wheels that uh, it, it exists in a land greater than what you what your your family's car can be. Uh, And of course, the iconic orange tracks, the play sets, the garages, the car washes, the carrying cases. Even if it's a dollar a pop for the cars themselves, once you've bought into that ecosystem, you can make a pretty penny. Because, like, what are you going to do, buy a a racetrack and a toy set for a brand that you don't already own three dozen cars of? Like, it's a brilliant little system.
2: Yeah, absolutely. And definitely kids are going to be a lot less into replicas than they would be into, uh, you know, some cool future-looking car, right? Mm -hmm. And so it really is, unless you're one of those nerdy car kids who walks around pointing out what every make and model of every car is as you walk down the street? And I'm—I just want to say, if you're a parent to one of those children, I'm—I—I I hear you and I feel you and I, I'm with you on this journey. And and we're going to get through it together. Just
3: muttering under their breath in the park, like, "Why can't you be into fucking dinosaurs, <laughs> man? I have raised you to be a dinosaur.
2: Talk kid. about a brontosaurus for two seconds, <laughs> two milliseconds for talking about a Toyota Corolla uh, from 1987
3: mummy, again." Mummy, it's- It's a 92 Acura Integra. That one has the sports (laughs) suspension package. I
2: don't care. (laughs) So yes, Hot Wheels, the the line of scale model cars invented by Elliot Handler via his company Mattel back in 1968 that is still popular to this very day. That's what we're talking about today. And I guess it's time to get into it. Let's get into the... History of Hot Wheels. Now, the thing that you need to know is there's a companion episode to this one, and it is the Barbie episode. The Barbie episode also speaks towards the history of Mattel. It was actually preceded Hot Wheels. Uh, Ruth uh, and her Barbie Made a huge splash uh, well before Hot Wheels hit the market, and if it wasn't for Barbie, we probably wouldn't have Hot Wheels that we know today. Because uh, that really paved the way for Elliot Handler, the husband of Ruth, to uh, create the, his his dream. The car.
3: L in Mattel,
2: yes, the L in Mattel uh, is, is is and the Matt is uh, Harold Matson. And classically, it was it was uh, Ruth, Elliot, and Harold all forming the company. But for somehow, they just couldn't get Ruth's name into the name of the company. I don't know.
3: Rheumatel sounds like a disease uh, gr- uh, an old person has.
2: I, yes, or or actually, a, I'd say a pill. Yeah, yeah. You know, yeah. If your if your hips hurt when the, it's about to start <laughs> raining, try Ruth Ruth Mattel. <laughs> Ruth Mattel. Try Rheumatel. Uh, yeah. Uh, all right. Here we go. Elliot Handler. Grew up in Denver, Colorado. He met his future wife, Ruth, in 1929 when he was just 13 at a dance. Uh, so young lovers, they were. <laughs> young lovers, they were. And they were definitely experimenting at a very young age, Jake. It was
3: incredibly inappropriate. With uh, thermoplastics and resins, I assume? Absolutely.
2: Uh, they they first uh, tried to use wooden condoms, but it <laughs> gave both of them splinters. So they ended up having a couple kids instead, which classically led towards Ruth uh, deciding to go with the Barbie when she was on a trip with her daughter who saw the doll in like, Sweden. Or some ship. We're not here to talk about Barbie. We're here to talk about Hot Wheels. <laughs> and Elliot Handler. This
3: is build Lily erasure. I can't, we, it's not only a couple of months ago we did the episode.
2: So Elliot went to the Art Center College of Design in Pasadena, California to study industrial design. During these years, he designed light fixtures to get by, but eventually had success kinda with a fellow designer named Harold Matson. Together they created a realistic looking miniature piano. And this got around 300 Thousand orders, which is great, but unfortunately, they fucked up on the pricing and the cost to create the thing, and actually ended up losing a dime on every piano that they made.
3: Uh, but that's a lot—three hundred thousand orders. you said, "Yeah, I mean, if that's oh, if no. that's the
2: case, then yeah, they they really uh, did themselves in on their first go about. But at least they saw the potential. They saw, hey, we could create something successful that is like toy-like mm-hmm. uh, for for the house. So." They uh, decided to form a company. And, yes, that is Harold Matt Matson and Elliot uh, makes Mattel Creations. Their first products were actually picture frames. And uh, we did talk about this in the Barbie episode, but just to, re- re- just to repeat it here, they were making picture frames, but the, the picture frames would produce these scraps that they were trying to make use out of. And so they decided to create little dollhouse furniture items out of these scraps. And the dollhouse furniture items end up actually... Actually, selling better than the picture frames, and so they start kind of getting into the world of you know toys and stuff of that nature for mostly kids. Uh, at this time, Harold Matt Mattson has some health issues and ends up walking away from the company. He uh, sells his share and stake in the company uh, to back to the handlers. So it is Elliot and Ruth now are the sole uh, head heads of Mattel. The company's first success came in the form of a ukulele. They named the Yukadoodle. And then the Magic 8 Ball came shortly after that. That was probably their first big success. And they also managed to find more and more sales happening when they made a partnership with uh, the Mickey Mouse Club TV show uh, and was the first sponsor for that show. And this is, they're literally. On the cutting edge of advertising toys to kids via television, which, of course, dominates the 80s and whatnot with Transformers and G.I. Joe and all that good stuff. Barbie as well. Uh, Speaking of Barbie, Ruth introduces Barbie to the world in 1959. This cements Mattel as a major force in the toy market and carries the company through most of the 60s. And that's where Hot Wheels comes in. Or should I say Matchbox Cars.
3: Where does the dream car fit into this? Because I know that was a part of the story as well.
2: Now, the dream car is Elliot's first attempt, correct? Yes. Okay, give me the lowdown on the dream car, Jake.
3: Uh, Well, from what I understand, at some point in the 1950s, uh, I don't have it on me immediately. I want to say 1956. uh, Elliot had an idea that a miniature toy car would be an excellent plaything for a child. uh, And he was inspired by all of the kind of space-age, aeronautic-age design eccentricities of those, like, 1950s Cadillacs. You know, the tail fins, the big scoops, the canopy domes, the massive front uh, bumpers and grills. And unfortunately, after several revisions, he just could not get a toy that was cheap to produce as well as popular with kids. It kind of looks like It's something out of the Jetsons. It just did not capture a feeling of speed and dynamicism. Uh, it was much larger than a standard Hot Wheels car as well. It just, uh, was 1953, I see, 1953 was the Mattel dream car coming in black diamond, blue bullet, as well as chartreuse dreamliner, uh, took several parts to construct, did not roll well, just was not this, uh, just did not pass the fun test. But Elliot definitely kind of held on to that, like, stinging failure, especially with the kind of Ruth-driven dream of uh, Barbie taking off. Like, Ruth was kind of king, queen shit, in that office, because she was the one that really made Barbie go. Uh, as we covered in the Barbie episode, Elliot was like, what, a doll with uh, bosoms? No one's going to want to play with bosom, woman. And this they was, want little babies.
2: This is actually compounded by the fact that Elliot, it was very well known that Elliot had an extremely tiny penis. <laughs> and Ruth would hold that against him a lot. And actually, the kin doll not having uh, a dick and balls was largely inspired by Elliot's, let's just say, like, can't find it without a magnifying glass uh, uh sized uh dick yeah, yeah. uh himself so you know he was he had a, he had a chip in his shoulder mm-hmm. you know what i mean and a tiny dick in his pants <laughs> and so he's uh, he was like i need to I need to match this barbie success i got what what's out there right now what 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 could I? What could I crush on? You know uh, that that uh, is already on the market. What could I? What could I improve on? Rather, and that would be Matchbox cars. Matchbox is created by the British die casting company Lesney Products. The first big hit for them was a recreation of a Queen Elizabeth II's coronation coach, which sold over a million models. This was not the first Matchbox car, however. That came next. Co-owner of Lesney Products, a guy named Jack O'Dell, wanted to make something for his daughter, whose school only allowed kids to bring toys that could fit into a matchbox. He then made a much smaller version of a toy car that they were already selling called the Road Roller. It's an old-timey car painted green with red wheels. It looks like absolute dog shit by today's standards. It really just looks, it's just a tacky, boxy, just, just, if I saw it on the road, I would just, I'd point, I'd laugh. I'd cyber bully. I'm not going to lie. It was
3: based on like a, uh, because obviously this is uh, post-World War II England and there was a lot of reconstruction happening. Thanks, Marshall Plan. And so little kids were fascinated by all these big uh, diesel machinery that was all over the streets of London and across the countryside, kind of putting England back together. And so that was why they focused on these like uh, bulky construction vehicles. And uh, you know, what What Matchbox really did right was that they kind of took the um, otherwise uh, kind of low-value skill of die-casting metal. That's when you take a low-melting-point metal, such as zinc or lead, uh, make it into a liquid, and pour it into a mold. That's really what it is, Um, which kind of stands in contrast to what Mattel was doing with the space-age future material of uh, plastics, but that doesn't matter. Um, And so Matchbox was really founded on a kind of uh, idea of just like capturing the world that children see around them, capturing these objects of fascination and condensing them into these tiny, easy to carry uh, 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 forms. And um, it should be said that the line was pretty much championed by one guy, uh, Jack O'Dell, who was a one of uh Lesney products like first employees kind of a uh a savant in the uh the the field of die casting and it was him that like kind of made a lot of uh uh improvements to the die casting process that allowed for these relatively intricate models to be manufactured and sold in mass
2: yes totally and again it's his daughter who once needs to get these little uh toy cars uh to fit into a matchbox and they they even sell them in Matchbox because of that whole story. Uh, That was their whole trademark and why it's called the Matchbox, obviously, uh, Matchbox Cars. It was the Road Roller, along with the cement mixer and dump truck, that were the first of the Matchbox cars sold. And uh, the cars were a huge hit. And more models were added to the line over the next 10 years. And they even got car companies involved, like Ford and Volkswagen. Matchbox then becomes like Kleenex for toy cars. Mm -hmm. Kind of like how, how Hot Wheels are known today. They dominate the market. By 1968, they are featuring interiors, plastic windows, parts that open and close and even steering for some and uh, featured not just cars, but buses, tractors, motorcycles, and trailers. They're the the bog standard. And the big thing about them is, I mentioned, you know, replicas before. They're all really trying to be as much a replica of existing vehicles as humanly possible. And believe you me, I mean my toddler to now even literally yesterday all she wanted to do was sit and look at pictures on my phone of different uh vehicles, different types of. Yeah, she's like so into them and loves her toy cars and stuff. And uh so that makes sense. It's like, you know, they do want to they do want toy versions of the things that exist, but Elliot notices that Matchbox cars are crushing it, but they're also just just these straight up replicas, and not like adding the the fun and the 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 zhuzh that could be added for a for a kid's toy to to really light kids up.
3: According to the modern, uh, it's it's an interesting parallel with the Barbie doll that uh, famously the Barbie doll was based on the Build Lily doll that was given to their children and uh they watched as their daughter was obsessed with this fashion doll with an adult body and it was um elliot gave uh matchbox cars to his grandchildren and saw how they played with that and according to the legend it wasn't the the quality of the die casting it wasn't even maybe the choice of car designs it was that they didn't roll really well yeah at the time matchbox cars used uh, narrow metal wheels connected by a solid steel axle. And there was tons of friction. There was just, they would wobble. They wouldn't really, you couldn't do the thing that is now famous with a Hot Wheel car, where you just kind of give it a little push and it just goes flying. Yes. It just did not lend itself to active play.
2: Well, and it's clear that they didn't have true engineers making these cars. They had people, or or maybe at least not like car people making these cars and aerodynamic people making these cars. They had people who knew how to make toys really well, but but not necessarily that. So in 1966, he gets the idea, Elliot gets the idea to put together a team of developers to make his own version of Matchbox cars. This includes Harry Bentley Bradley, who designed cars for General Motors, and uh, Jack Ryan, a whole ass rocket scientist that graduated from Yale. Like, He actually was a big part of the creation of the Hawk and Sparrow missiles. Like, he's a real deal made missiles uh, from scratch rocket scientist. And they wanted to replicate the popular muscle and race cars of the era. Stuff like Ford Mustang and Chevy Camaro. Stuff you're seeing in the movies. Steve McQueen and Bullet. Things like that. That, like, that was the, all the rage with Hollywood and everything at the time. And so kids are now seeing this on their television screens and maybe from time to time out on the actual streets. Uh, but with, with, when the gearheads come out to Drag Race. And uh, this is especially so not just because of their popularity, but also due to their speed. Elliot was interested in cars that moved really, really fast. So to make this happen, they made the tires wide. They added a torsion bar suspension that helped with wheel bounce and shock absorbency. They made the axle from a mandolin string. Um, it's also been said uh, possibly violin sc- string. Well, it's I've seen it a couple
3: ways. The version of it that I heard was uh, thanks to Mattel's previous uh, success with the Yuka Doodle, uh-huh. they had long tried to master some form of toy stringed instrument, whether that was a... A toy violin a toy guitar or a to- or a toy mandolin and the goal that they had was it's the it's the instrument you never have to tune and so what they ended up having on hand just literally in the warehouse were thousands of yards worth of hardened steel wire and uh Jack Ryan was the one that kind of uh settled on using the wire, bent in a U-shape and then kind of sticking out on both sides for the axles, and the tension in the wire added to the uh, suspension effect. Like, it could take impacts and not get thrown off course. Uh, Plus, the narrower uh, diameter of the wire compared to the solid steel axles that Matchbox was using had much less uh, friction because it was literally less contact with the uh, wheel. They also used a modern thermoplastic called Delrin, which is a very high-performance uh, uh, resin, I think it's, I, I, whatever, it's, it's a high-performance plastic, very hard, very low friction, and used that to connect the axle to the hard plastic wheels. Another thing they used is a camber, uh, which is a special angle. If you've ever seen a, uh, one of those like, low-rider cars where the wheels are almost tilted inward, that's a camber. And that provided uh, for more contact with the uh, surface. Oh, no, no, I'm sorry. In real cars, it's for more contact with the surface. In the Hot Wheels, the special way that the wheels were angled gave it a camber that gave it less contact with the surface up that you're rolling it on, while the angle actually kept the wheels uh, moving forward without veering left or right. And all of these individual improvements created a car that rolled longer, rolled faster and rolled easier than uh the matchbox cars they were competing with. So much
2: so that it could reach to scale of 200 miles per hour. I mean, we are talking
3: scale, scale miles per but hour. But
2: still way fucking faster than what was being offered at the time. Way 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 fucking faster.
3: It was also by uh enlisting handler I or Bradley, Bradley, I'm sorry. Bradley uh as the official designer he actually worked for like the major auto manufacturers, and for cars like the custom Camaro, he had insider knowledge of what the 68 Camaro was going to look like ahead of the official release of the car, so that the Hot Wheels car looked more like the Camaro that kids would see on the street than any other company. Uh, he also worked on custom cars as well, the famous Deora, uh Hot Wheels, part of the original Sweet 16 release is uh, based on a customized, is it a Chevy? What is it based on? Uh, It's based on a custom car that he personally designed. It's this amazing space age, kind of looks like a pickup truck, but like real flat and low. It's got the little plastic surfboards on it. And of course, Mattel was based in California where all this post-war hot rod culture was happening. These were all guys like living large on the GI Bill, having fun with just disposable income and infinite new highways to just race and have fun with so like it was this perfect melting of like american car culture california car culture modern toy manufacturing as well as just you know a little bit of uh capitalist fuck you your idea is my idea i made it better and cheaper go fuck yourself
2: and to finish it all off they applied Mattel's Spectra Flame metallic paint and put a red line around the wheels, which would become a trademark feature of the line of toy cars referred to as red lines. This metallic paint looked cool as hell. It was sparkly. It stood out. It was way, way flashier than anything else on the market when it came to toy
3: cars. So a fun thing I learned about the Spectra Flame paint that uh, was a trademark of the Hot Wheels brand. It even said it on the cards is that it is not a metallic paint, rather a translucent lacquer that used the uh, metallic sheen of the low-grade metal to give it that sparkle effect that uh, otherwise would be, you'd have to do it with like more complex chemical formulations like in auto paint. So again, creating a a more high-quality product by smarter use of cheaper materials. So-
2: now we get to the name, and Mattel's official statement on this is that Elliot said this about uh, Hot Wheels designer Harry Bradley, who we mentioned before, his El Camino that he had out in the parking lot at the offices. Uh, he went, uh, Elliot saw the car and said, wow, those are some Hot Wheels. <laughs> also, the El Camino that Bradley owned was a big inspiration for that first lineup of cars. Jake already mentioned it already, the Sweet 16. The first Hot Wheel was the custom Camaro, which made its debut in May of 1968, and there were 15 more models that came shortly after to fill out the Sweet 16, the Beatnik Bandit, custom Barracuda, custom Corvette, custom Cougar, custom Eldorado, custom Firebird, custom Fleet Side... Custom Mustang, custom T-Bird, custom Volkswagen, Diora, Ford J-Car, Hot Heap, Python, and the Silhouette. And by the way, the custom Cougar came with a neighbor boy (laughs) that you could try to seduce. They also sold the plastic racetracks with the loop as well. And these cars were so fucking fast and cool at the time compared to the competitors that they ended up forcing the competition to completely change their approach to toy car design. Matchbox was fucked immediately with these cars out the gate. In their first year, they sell over 16 million products. But before that happens, give us the skinny on the Toy Fair, Jake.
3: Well, they had the designs. They had mastered all the engineering. Now they had to get this thing sold. And uh, the way you do that back in the 60s is you take your design to the New York Toy Fair where all of the major buyers for all the major uh, retail chains come look at your wares and make their orders pretty much either right on the spot or in little backroom meetings. Um, And Handler was so uh, kind of confident in the Hot Wheels design that he brought in the uh, retail buyer for Kmart stores, which, if you don't remember, little ones, was a very important store before uh, the blue light went out forever.
2: Damn, Kmart! I didn't even realize Kmart was that over.
3: I I it. does it still exist? I don't. They I used, went
2: the way of the Circuit City. I guess Target is king. So uh,
3: okay, sense. no, Kmart still exists. They still exist. God help them. God, it was the only affordable place to buy big boy clothing <laughs> in New York City when I lived there. Anyway, they showed the buyer the uh, the tracks saw the Hot Wheel do the loop-de-loop and even had a Matchbox car to just kind of show it feebly stop halfway across a, across a table. The Kmart buyer on the spot bought hundreds and thousands of units, no, millions of units they had a certified head on their hands. Another innovation that came along was the fact that while matchbox cars came in opaque cardboard boxes, that meant that children didn't know even what color they were getting until they actually opened the box. Hot Wheels had a plastic window on their boxes that allowed children to see exactly what they were going to get.
2: Yeah, apparently, like I remember that being one of the elements. They were like with the Matchbox cars, you wouldn't even know what color the car was going to be, or it was almost like a blind box mm-hmm. when you picked up a Matchbox car, which is so strange. So yeah that that is that is such a normal thing for toy selling uh, in, the, in the modern age since I was a little kid even. But apparently it was novel at the time in in 1968, which is pretty wild.
3: Another important thing about this early run of Hot Wheels is that the orders came in so quickly and for so much more numbers units that they expected that Mattel actually had to re-kind of furbish a Hong Kong factory that had previously been dedicated to manufacturing Barbie accessories to produce these these die-cast metal cars. And it's actually a few subtle differences between the Hong Kong-produced and American-produced Hot Wheels of this era. Things like the color of the glass on the plastic windows. In Hong Kong, it's blue. In America, it's clear. Things like the molding, the, the hood scoops, the trunk, the spoilers, the paint jobs are ever so subtly different. And if you get really, really into Hot Wheels collecting, these subtle differences can mean the difference between something that like is going to be worth a couple, like 50 bucks or something worth 500 bucks. The collectors are really specific about these minute differences. There's even uh again people didn't realize that there would even be toy collectors in this era. So there's all sorts of like small production runs, unique colors, uh prototype runs that weren't even able to make it out the factory. Uh the the black lotus, I'd say, the uh the I obviously every collector has their own kind of um different holy grail. I even went to the Hot Wheels subreddit and I was like What's, like, the big guy? What's, like, the real the real? The deal? big
2: guy is so underwhelming-looking. What? Like, you would think it would be this very cool, like, Corvette or something like that. But instead, it is just this pink van with a surfboard coming out the back the of it. Pink the pink
3: beach bomb rear-loading <laughs> VW bus. Are you kidding me? That's very important.
2: <laughs> important it may be, but uh, badass it is not. It is uh, just definitely a... The kind of a uh, car you would take your surfboard to the beach back in the late '60s. It is a, uh, like I said, a hot pink, and it was really just because it was a temporary prototype. If you've seen the Beach Bomber out in the wild or uh, most, you know, in general, it, it, the surfboard loads into the side. Mm-hmm. Not uh, into the back, as they realized it was all a center of gravity thing. They had to make some alterations. I think they also had to enlarge the uh, sunroof as well in order to keep the balancing correct. So, if you have one of these, you it's I believe there's only two out there. Uh, they th- these are prototypes that never got out of the gate, and so it goes for one hundred seventy five thousand dollars, according to a twenty nineteen article in Car and Driver. And uh, yeah, it's uh, you know
3: oh. It's- I have a a 2022 article that says it's now worth $250,000.
0: Wow. I mean,
2: there's only two.
0: Are you a software professional looking to make a lasting impact on people and the planet? At General Motors, our vision is a world with zero crashes, zero emissions, and zero congestion. And we need innovative people like you to join us on this journey and challenge the limits of what is possible. From autonomous cars to software-defined vehicles, you'll translate breakthrough technologies like AI into experiences that people love, all while pushing the world forward toward an all-electric future. See how you can shape the future of mobility at careers.gm.com. eBay
1: Motors is here for the ride. Elbow grease and a whole lot of love transformed 100,000 miles in a body full of rust into a drive entirely its own. LED headlights, spoilers, whatever you need eBay Motors has it at affordable prices. And with eBay Guaranteed Fit, it's guaranteed to fit your ride every time. Keep your ride or die alive at ebaymotors.com. Eligible items only. Exclusions apply.
2: The two just after that by the way are the unless things have changed since the article in car and driver. Uh, the two just after that are the 1968 models, the over Chrome Mustang and the over Chrome Camaro, which were used for advertising purposes and therefore are extremely rare, never actually sold in stores. Um, and most all sought after collector's items, uh, the biggest one at least, are from around 1968 to 1972. They're pretty much all, I think, the latest I saw in like the whole list was uh, from 1975. Mm-hmm. So, nothing, I mean, think about that. How many actual billions of is I believe it's at six billion now, uh, Hot Wheels uh, made and sold. You know, that's crazy that, yeah, nothing in the 80s, nothing in the 90s, nothing in the aughts. It's all from that first few years of Hot Wheels runs, uh, for sure. And uh, yeah, they, they, you, speaking of the collector thing, you are correct uh, with the, the fact that this was not really something anyone did up until around the late 80s, early 90s. Because it's not until the end of the 80s they add collector numbers to every car as they became a part of that market. Uh, they weren't even doing that before. So it feels chaotic to be a Hot Wheel collector
3: it does there's
2: just so many of them they make so many I believe they they produce like 250 a year new Hot Wheels I mean it is just such a relentless thing to collect even though they're cheap Mm -hmm. so at least there's that for the most part I mean obviously not the top dogs. I've seen
3: the entire die cast miniature world is its own like week I tried I you know we only have so many days to prepare for these episodes and like I would get I'd be reading an article and be like, "Wait a minute, this is about Thomas the Tank Engine diecast models and they have their own subreddit and their own like YouTube creator economy. The Matchbox cars have their own economy. Like it's it's really insane just how the, just the little things that can become your whole world, man. So,
2: yeah, after the Sweet 16, uh, Harry Bradley, interestingly enough, ends up going back into the car industry. He leaves Mattel, but he does recommend someone who was just leaving Chrysler at the time to take over his role, Ira Guilford, who would end up creating some of the biggest hitters in the earliest days of Hot Wheels. I mentioned the Twin Mill and the Split and Image. If you want to go look those up, if you're listening at home, they're wild-looking Hot Wheel creations, which is a lot of fun. They, they really focused early on on concept cars, stuff that could, could barely exist uh, except for in theory. And so those really stuck out and were big, big hitters, real popular early on in the 70s. Also in the 70s, Ira is joined by two designers from Ford named Larry Wood and Howard Reese. Together they create whip creamer, (laughs) the evil weevil, and the six-shooter, a six-wheeled car. I was really throwing some crazy ideas out there, which was like the way of the 70s. Like if you were the, the concept of the concept car was sort of became you know came into its prime like in those eras. We we always think about like the wild bubble window mm-hmm. seat things, and the you know, like the Delorean, even with the with the the doors lifting up in that way. But they actually do end up dropping the shiny spectra flame paint for less shiny solid enamel colors uh, at this at some point in the 70s. And uh, start adding the trademark decals uh, like uh, flames and stuff like that. So
3: this is interesting. Uh, These design elements, these like little extra decals and, uh, and prints that are added on the cars in the community. Those are called tampos based on the uh, printing machines that apply these decorations. Um, the more colors per graphic means more production costs. Uh, You can like, people will track how much Mattel is willing to spend on the quality of the cars by the quality of the tampo. Uh, special edition cars will have extra tampo. And if you've ever seen, I my only point of reference for this is like industrial machine ASMR, where like There's a big uh, jiggly rubber boob covered in ink, and it like prints designs on tableware. Holden, do you have any, do I sound like a crazy person talking about? Yes. Okay. Well, the tampo printing (laughs) thing is basically a uh, highly flexible uh, shaped stamp that uh, has ink applied to it, and it is pressed into the car uh, body, not the chassis. The chassis is usually just the raw uh, alloy bottom.
2: Also, I got, I will say, I also got a little distracted because I found the Tesla Cybertruck in Hot Wheel form and I'm trying to figure out if it's real. I,
3: I mean, <laughs> why not? Uh, it's an interesting thing, actually, with the licensed car brands because mm-hmm. uh, if you have to pay a license fee for the cars as well. So the dollar cars that you see on the, you know, on the pegs in your average toy store will most likely be a fantastical or concept design made wholly by Mattel. And nowadays the like, uh, replica cars are going to be a little bit pricier because Mattel has to give a cut to the original car manufacturer. And
2: worry not, I am looking at a lot of pictures of pretty much every car from the Fast and Furious series. So get them mm. while they're hot. Oh, Fast they're and the all
3: Furious, the Cars franchise, anything. Any licensed thing has a Hot Wheels version of it.
2: In fact, I think it's the Darth Vader that is car that is the most popular Hot Wheel, uh, I, from what I believe, uh, from what I saw. Which is literally, it looks like Darth Vader, but turned into a car. <laughs> so, mm-hmm. So enjoy that. Uh but yeah, um in the 80s, they managed to make the cars go faster. They added some other tricks as well. They came out with the thermal color change paint, which I uh, think was probably my favorite. Literally thing about my hot favorite.
3: Just dunking, burning my hands on the hot water just to see a green car turn yellow.
2: Oh, and by the way, I don't think I mentioned this. In 1977, they phased out the red line wheel. So it's a really good way to very quickly tell if something is at least. Old, possibly a collector's item. If it has a red line on the wheel, then you're at least looking at something that was made in the '70s or before, and so you can or a, a
3: reissue price made in the 2000s, and you're wasting money. Whatever, it's fine.
2: What, well, either way, mm-hmm. either way, it is what it is. But yeah, the thermal color change. If you don't know, if you put it in hot water or cold water, it will change color completely. It was like magic. I loved it. And uh, it was probably my favorite thing about hot wheels back in the day. It was very, very cool. Uh, they also would give some models i don't remember this by the way i i I don't think I had any of these. They gave some models crash panels so you could rotate the panel around and it would make it look like the car was all dinged up like it got into an accident. so you could like flip a uh, like the trunk around or something
3: like that. when the famous supercharger, those rotating foam wheels that allowed the cars to zip along the tracks without any internal power source another great uh, piece of Hot Wheels technology. There's one really humanistic story that I uh, found out about through the Hot Wheels subreddit, and it involves a specific design from 1989 in which it is a Porsche 944 Turbo, uh, comes in cherry red, and there was this auspicious uh, stethoscope molded into the plastic interior. And for years, people thought that it was just kind of a like joke about how doctors are assholes that buy Porsches. <laughs> but it turns out it was a detail actually put into the vehicle by one of the most prolific uh, designers of the 1980s, uh, a man by the name of uh, Ryu Asada, who actually was going through cancer treatments at the time and put it in as an homage to his oncologist. Uh, Ryu later died, unfortunately, from that disease, but uh it really made him one of the most beloved figures within the community. And Hot Wheels, the Hot Wheels community genuinely appreciates the uh Hot Wheels designers over the years. Mm-hmm. They will interview them, they will keep track of them, they'll have their favorite designers. And there are some legendary people in this uh kind of. How do I say not like hallowed community, but it's, uh, you know, there's just people from all walks of life all contributing to the Hot Wheels brand.
2: Yeah, actually, I have some quotes from Ryu, as well as another guy named Jun Imai, that I'm about to reveal to all about their design process and how a Hot Wheel is made. Before that, just to round out the history, uh, Hot Wheels does buy Taiko toys in 1997 this includes Matchbox cars, and it completes the loop. They fully own all Matchbox cars. It's interesting. They actually tried to give Matchbox cars the Hot Wheels treatment. People balked at that, and then they ended up hiring, like, a whole different team of people to create more Matchbox-like cars for collectors and for lovers of that line.
3: I mean, you know, even within—the uh, I the closest thing I can think of is, like— uh... Car, like racing video games. Some people like the uh, fantastical, some people like the Mario Kart arcade-style racing game. And
2: some people literally build one of those weird cockpits inside (laughs) of their home and fly from, like, L.A. to Japan uh, once a day for for hours on it. Yeah, Hey, my brother-in-law is
3: one of those weirdos, and he's he's all right. It makes him happy. They seem happy, though. They They seem calm and happy. Yeah, they got a fucking magic box where they can race (laughs) cars across the world. (laughs) Who wouldn't be happy? Uh, And Matchbox is now comfortable in its lane as the more grounded, realistic uh, system of little toy vehicles and machinery.
2: So here we go. This is the design process for a Hot Wheel. According to June Imai. the process is not so far from what it was like in the late 60s. EMI, by the way, was the senior manager of the Hot Wheels diecast design team until t- 2018. Imai said... Well, actually, there's no difference between how they begin life then and now because Hot Wheels designs always start with a sketch. That's how they started back in 1968, and that's how we still do it today. The process following the designer's initial vision, however, has changed a little bit, of course. We have a full design team, and they're comprised of mostly automotive designers. If it's a licensed vehicle we're doing, for example, a lot of times we'll take that car and modify it in some way that's going to have its own designer's vision attached to it. Or it can be an entirely original design, a Hot Wheels original, as we call them, like the Twin Mill, which was designed in 1969, or a newer model, which might be a car that's inspired by a toilet, (laughs) uh, a toaster. You know, there's a lot of creative ways that we can explore vehicle design, and each has its own process attached. A team for a line of Hot Wheels generally consists of around 16 people, half of whom are graphic designers, the other half are automotive designers. And uh, June says, one of the things we always do, even if it's a non-automotive idea, like a toilet, as mentioned above, we still want to incorporate car design and car culture into it. So it's still got that old hot rod look. We still want that automotive look, but with that fun factor tied into it as well. And the fun of this car is that it's a fucking toilet. Yeah, but now it's, it's a toilet
3: <laughs> with some chrome-plated uh, piston heads just jutting out of the, the the hood. But don't actually piss on
2: the car, little <laughs> Jimmy. You won't be able to eat food for a week. Uh, the, the specific process is that they start with a sketch. The modelers make a 3D rendering of it in a computer. This gets sent to the model shop, where they make a 3D model print to check all the functions. For the digital modeling, they use a sculpting software called Freeform as well as an automotive design software called Autodesk Alias. Junimai said once that's done we send it off to our partners in Asia they'll further develop it they'll incorporate wall thicknesses performance standards they basically turn the car into four parts because all Hot Wheels cars are four parts we have the body the windows the chassis and the interior they'll make sure it all comes together that all the pieces fit after that there's an approval back and forth and then it gets signed off for production they have a bunch of different tracks all over the office by the way to test out the prototypes and this whole process takes about 9 or 10 months per vehicle but they're of course working on many vehicles at once and every, every one of them is in different stages of this process June said I mean the sheer volume this is crazy This is cool. each year we do about 1200 to 1400 different vehicle releases and in terms of design there are about 150 to 200 brand new cars every year each one takes about 9 to 10 months to complete our designers have several cars going at the same time obviously whether it's on the graphics team uh, where they may be designing 10, 20, 30, 40 different graphics at once or the vehicle designers who may be working on 5 to 6 at a time I treat my employees like dogs <laughs> I treat them like the scum of the earth like they are Holden I feel like you're editorializing a little you're a bad little boy you're a bad little boy team of graphic designers and ooh I'm gonna make you hurt I'm gonna make you feel my hurt cause I'm June Emy, oh the God. master villain of Hot Wheels. Uh, August, by the way, is the busiest time of the year. Uh, that is when they select all the cars for next year's lineup. Uh, and uh, yeah, it's pretty wild. They they used to have um, they used to that this process used to be actually a lot longer, but now they can three D print everything. Uh, in inside of their their own offices and so all these prototypes they're able to just fucking shoot the shoot the computer to the 3D printer Put it all together and check out these prototypes just like right right there, right then. I think it only takes like a few day, days as opposed to what it used to take, which is like a month. Lead project designer for the Hot Wheels basics line, um, at least at one point, Ryu Asada, who uh, Jake mentioned earlier. He talks about what a good designer for Hot Wheels needs and their skill set in case you are ever interested in getting a job there, dear listener. He said a knowledge of cars, definitely, and also understanding the trends, not just historical cars, but it's pretty important to see what's ahead. We need the skill to envision the brand for the future, as well as Photoshop and drawing skills. If you know 3D software, that's getting to be a standard, so you have to build, uh, so you have to build the cars quickly on the computer. Uh, Asada also said, aside from technical knowledge, though... You have to have your own style and be unique because that's what we're looking for. There are thousands of good sketchers uh, and car designers out there, but you have to stand out by being different and distinctive. And if you do remember the original live-action Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles movie... Um, all that footage of the Foot Clan, like, skateboarding and, like, playing arcade games and smoking cigarettes and stuff, that's exactly what the offices are like. I've seen videos. <laughs> I, d- of, I don't, yeah, I don't everyone's think Everyone's wearing, I don't like, leather so. jackets. They're all, like, I'm kids. really
3: doubtful. I feel like you are just... Uh Just desperate to make these tiny car men be cool badasses.
2: No, no, it's They have a policy. Cocaine is totally allowed in office as long as you have accompanying fentanyl strips. Back to you, Jake. (laughs) God damn
3: it. (laughs) Um, So I want to take a moment to talk about the greater universe of Hot Wheels media because uh, Mattel has consistently tried to make the Hot Wheels into an intellectual property brand over the years, uh, sometimes just to like uh, have less of a reliance on established car brands, sometimes to cash in on an existing thing, or sometimes other uh, entertainment companies want a recognizable brand in order to uh, piggyback off of name recognition. Some of the ones that I feel like uh, people will touch on God, all of these Hot Wheels games seem like such shovelware. (laughs) We'll get to the video games in a second. One of the most uh, noteworthy ones, at least in my uh, research, was the 2000s animated universe from Mainframe Entertainment, whose name has come up before uh, when we talk about the Barbie episode. They did all those direct-to-DVD Barbie movies. They animated the Beast Wars cartoon. Uh, They also animated Reboot, one of my favorite cartoons of all time. But uh, in the 2000s, Hot Wheels Acceleracers was the uh, the real deal for a lot of kids in that era. Uh, it was basically this way more like lore ridden and emotionally complex show than it had any right to be. That's kind of a mainframe uh, uh, trademark. But it involved a bunch of uh, teams of racers like the Metal Maniacs. Uh, racing across what people called the racing realms in order to collect the the wheels of power to bring peace to the universe against uh, armies of evil robots. Uh, there was a prequel movie and three seasons of the television show. Later in the 2000s, uh, Hot Wheels Battle Force 5, a different uh, Canadian CG animated cartoon uh, based on Hot Wheels, aired on Cartoon Network in 2009, And that involved uh, a team of everyday kids that got dragged into a multiversal world. Weirdly enough, there were seven teens on the squad, even though the show was called Battle Force 5. And I... I,
2: uh, Has Puppet Jared watched an episode of this on a Thursday night? uh,
3: I don't... I I, I honestly, this is the first dumpster coming up. So it'll be like after it has outlived its research usefulness. (laughs) I just saw a couple of clips on YouTube and... uh, One uh, very, very passionate nerd essayist (laughs) on YouTube trying to explain why this show (laughs) kicked ass. One guy. (laughs) There was also a Hot Wheels cartoon in the 70s that was sold via VHS and aired on ABC that was basically a redubbed French cartoon about a team of cool racing adventurers. And uh, as long as there have been video games, there have been Hot Wheels tie-in games Dating all the way back to 1984, where Hot Wheels on the Commodore 64 made by Epix. Dear God, Hot Wheels Extreme Racing for the PlayStation. Hot Wheels Stunt Track Challenge for uh, every platform ever made. And I will say, if you are interested in Hot Wheels Gaming, the Hot Wheels Unleashed uh, franchise... Uh, developed by Milestone, is actually an incredible game. I've seen lots of positive reviews for it. uh, Hot Wheels Unleashed 2 came out last year. Oh, no, I'm sorry. Hot Wheels Unleashed 2 Turbocharged came out this year, and it involves like kind of a Mario Kart-style arcade racer using real Hot Wheels designs across Miniaturized, like real world tracks. So, like, you're racing across skyscraper sized dining room tables and all this stuff. And it uh, looks good. It apparently plays great. And I think it might be a great way to uh, kind of get to know some classic designs like the twin mill, like the six shooter, like the 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 bone shaker
2: yeah also like do yourself a favor there's a whole community of hot wheels youtubers out there that have insane intricate tracks built in their basements and they're racing different cars against each other and creating all sorts of different uh, ghost jerker I believe, was uh, the one we we watched. Um, and it's not a ghost that uh, jerks you off uh, <laughs> like uh, out of Ghostbusters or something like that. No, it's just Ghost Jerker. He's out there uh, doing all these cool challenges with different cars to pit them against each other to see which ones are faster with these wild, elaborate courses created. Very fun stuff. Very cute. Oh,
3: don't watch Hot Wheels Ultimate Challenge, which premiered this year on uh, Peacock. Uh, According to the Hot Wheels subreddit, it is a shallow and underwhelming attempt to cash in on the success of Lego Masters in which a bunch of team of uh, car customizers uh, try and recreate classic Hot Wheels designs in real life Mm. and then have Jay Leno go, yeah, it's pretty good.
2: (laughs) (laughs) That's funny. I've not heard about this. That makes so much sense because of Lego Masters that this would exist. Amazing. Uh,
3: And of course, we got to talk about. Uh, the live action movie Ah. Uh, hot off the heels of such widespread success like the Barbie movie and the Lego franchise. I knew that they
2: would try to do this the cultural conversation around Barbie is so much more, no offense to the Hot Wheels episode, but obviously we haven't been able to talk about like the history of masculinity in America or anything like that like we were able to talk about with uh, the Barbie episode that was the point of the Barbie movie it wasn't just take this toy and make it into a movie and cast Kate McKinnon okay, as the oh, wait, crazy wait, let car. me try.
3: Let me try. Let me try. Let me try. Let me try. All right, yeah, yeah. Much like how Barbie creates an ideal feminine form upon which girls can explore womanhood and the uh dizzying heights of romance, professional success and material uh uh comforts. Uh so too does specifically the Hot Wheels brand uh allow for children to imagine and play With the uh, entity that is car culture in America, free from the horrors of automobile accidents, pollution, environmental decay, safety recalls, greed cost, and all the other things that make uh, car ownership in society a fraught and perilous thing to deal with as an adult. Boom! Yeah, that's Fast and Furious. No, that's about family <laughs> and doing heists in order to stop terrorists. If this IMDb
2: page is correct, this movie will come out in 2025. I mean, it's there's barely anyone attached. But Paul Atanasio is attached as a screenwriter. He wrote Quiz Show... And uh, Disclosure and Donnie Brasco and Sphere.
3: So, I mean. What a, I mean, honestly, with that kind of very grown up (laughs) uh, resume, I I think my take on Hot Wheels might be, end up, God, I honestly, it's going to be so funny if every one of these toy movies are all going to be like Billy like Billie Eilish sings a
2: song that makes you cry at the end of each one of them Yeah, yeah, yeah It makes you think about like the, your relationship with your father or whatever yeah. yeah, that'd be great Well, honestly, that already came Stick out It the fucking Lego movie, graveyards.
3: bro They already did that No, I'm saying by the end I'm going to be like we're going to be leaving the G.I. Joe movie and be like, I get it Imperialism is so common that we don't recognize it Christ, just let us have fun again They want to make me go faster I just want to go
2: slow. I just want to go slow. It's all about like slowing down. I think I think I
3: got to take this marriage into high gear, honey.
2: (laughs) (laughs) You're just a weird concept car. I'm a human being. Yeah, we've got some pitches. You're coming out here to Hollywood, Jake. I'm made of
3: flesh and blood, goddammit. Not the miraculous ZAMAC alloy that uses copper and aluminum to minimize the zinc uh, pest that has plagued earlier toys. We're
2: the Spectra Flames. We're <laughs> badass. You're the crappy modern cars. Uh,
3: yeah, technically, not... I believe if we counterbalance our angle by 35 degrees, we'll be able to make the jump. Oh, Matchbox. <laughs> you fucking lame nerd. Fa- yeah, it
2: came and came <laughs> It's going to be the Matchbox car. <laughs> Absolutely. All right. So the biggest collector with over 30,000 cars, at least as of the article I read from 2019, I believe, uh, with over 30,000 cars housed in a 2,500 square foot storage space, Mike Zarnock holds the title of biggest Hot Wheels collection. Zarnock said, I've spent the past 50 years trying to buy back my childhood with collecting which is the saddest thing <laughs> I've ever read in my life.
3: No, no, you know what? At least he knows it. At least uh, sometimes you visit these collectors and they seem just like compl- in a cloud of like, yeah, my wife left me because I replaced the baby's crib with more uh, G.I. Joes. Right. But I'm still I'm still living
2: it up. Sarnak goes on to say it brings me back to a point in time where I don't have to be a grown up. I don't have to be in charge, be responsible. Back to a time where all I had to do was make my bed and I would get my allowance and go buy more Hot Wheels cars and maybe some
3: weed and then I'd smoke that weed <laughs> stop <I'd> editorializing <laughs> Holden, we can just do the history of drugs next week, all right? You just want to talk about just cool drugs, drugs and the cool and people who do that's drugs.
2: <laughs> he did say that he he enjoys, like, it, it, what brings him back to being a kid, especially is, like, playing with them with, like, his granddaughter, which is very cute. Uh, he first got into the Guinness Book of World Records in 2003 with 3,128 cars. Baby he shit. He now has over 30,000. Yeah. yeah, that's baby shit. Zardoc said, admit everything. I have this monster certificate on my wall that says I have the largest Hot Wheels collection in the world. It's an amazing feeling. You know what else is amazing? Black tar heroines.
3: <laughs> Ooh, mama, give me another hit. Fucking Hot Wheels cars are his black tar heroin. That's <laughs> yeah. what you don't get, Holden.
2: Yeah, the uh, uh, there is, by the way, a very heated collector rivalry online. It's like essentially the Bloods and Crips of Hot Wheels. You've got the Blue Real Riders Club and the Red Line Club. And apparently, uh, they don't agree on wheel selection or some shit. I don't know what the fuck's (laughs) going on, but they're assholes and they hate each other. Your
3: camper's all fucked, bro.
2: (laughs) And the final fact I have to reveal to all of you is uh, in regards to the longest Hot Wheels track. In 2020, the Guinness World Record was set for the longest Hot Wheels track. This, of course, this makes so much sense. This was done during the COVID-19 lockdown. This was in Australia. The track runs for 2,364 feet. The car that ran the full thing, it took an entire five minutes to get to the end. There was no external power used. And uh, uh, it's all on YouTube. That's impressive. Yeah, it's pretty wild. It's like an outdoor track, obviously. Uh, some more records are the Loop the Loops. There's uh, f- uh, The record is set in 2022 for most Loop the Loops at 14. And the largest loop, uh, which uh, got to 12 feet as of 2021. So these are new records, by the way. I'm saying... Recent years here. So there's constantly being broken and uh, and uh, tested. Hot
3: Wheels, like Lego, is an object that, like, everybody understands the mechanics of. Everybody understands how much it weighs, how fast it'll go. Like, it's something that we can all kind of wrap our heads around. And so it definitely lends itself to, like, internet stunts, world record attempts. There's, like, you can do a lot of things. If you like I could building the world's biggest Hot Wheels car and uh, do one of those like, I, I, you know, now I have content brain. Now I'm just thinking with content <laughs> brain. Forget I said anything.
2: Well, Jake, do you have anything else you want to talk about with uh, Hot Wheels before we do the
3: wrap up? I guess it's just uh, the little toy that could kind of a sleeper that's always been with us. Never went out of production It's this like shorthand for fun with cars and has taken on many forms over the years while still being just like this little chunk of metal that you get off the pegs at Walmart for a buck. And there's something really nice about that. There's something kind of uh, comforting about that.
2: Absolutely. I've got a final quote here from James Taylor. I've seen fire and I've seen rain. I've seen sunny days that I thought would never end. I've seen lonely times when I could not find a friend, but I always thought that I'd see you again. I think that about sums it up, Jake.
3: Sweet dreams and driving machines rolling safely on the ground. All right. (laughs) <laughs> Holden, this was a this was an interesting topic. I didn't I didn't think we could pull it off, but I'm glad you got us through it. Hell
2: yeah, man! Go out there, get yourself a custom Eldorado, uh, and and think of me next time you do. I'm definitely going to be eyeing the Hot Wheels uh, at the toy store next time I'm out there. And Winnie really loves her toy cars. I mean, it, it never ends. There's something about even to a two year old. Even I think even when she was one, she was fascinated by cars, buses, airplanes. It's just it's there's something innate to a child innately fascinating when it comes to like big modes of transportation that, you know, for a while. All she cared about was she just wanted to go to the street and watch buses pass. Mm. That was it. She just wanted to see buses in motion. You know, the
3: Matchbox car's first uh, real hit toy was the double-decker London bus. Yeah.
2: If she has one. Oh, <laughs> I wonder if it's a Matchbox. She has a double-decker bus and she's like obsessed with it. She loves it and wants to ride one one of these days. So, you know, it just it will always be something kids want. It will always there will always be a market for the toy car and Hot Wheels still cornering it after all these years. It really is shocking. That in 1968, this thing came out. And not only are they still dominating the market and are still consistent and still coming out with 250 fucking cars a year. But then they're at the same time, they're also still a completely reasonable price point for parents. So I don't think they're going anywhere. Thanks so much for joining us for our episode on the Hot Wheels. We hope you enjoyed it. Uh, for more, if you'd like to support us further, patreon.com forward slash whizbrew. That's patreon.com forward slash whizbrew. Well, wait,
3: why, what do they get? What do they get if they, if they go to the Patreon and, and sign up for
2: weekly bonus content? Oh, that's great. We record episodes every week. We talk about the video games we're playing, stuff we're watching. We do all the nerdy news we can find out there. Uh, a guy will show up at your place and just like hang out with you, and, <laughs> and you know, you know, smoke weed with you in a beanbag chair or whatever it is you like. Cannot
3: to do. vouch for how cool the guy will be.
2: Yeah, we don't know if the guy will be really <laughs> annoying or not, but he'll <laughs> definitely show up no matter what. As soon as you click the <laughs> membership button. He will be, he gets a message, he he has a pager. Doesn't have a a phone, doesn't have a smartphone. He works pager only, (laughs) he gets a special message, and and, and comes to your house. Uh, At the $15 layer, you can join us every Sunday, this this time around, we watched a really great episode from this Hulu show, uh, How Toys Rule America, or something like that, about the history of Hot Wheels. A lot of Hot Wheels commercials, which are a lot of fun, always, to see those trips down memory lane, those old school commercials. And... Um, yeah, I think that's about it. Twitch.tv forward slash HoldenatorsHo. Check me out. I stream usually about four days a week over on there. Twitch.tv forward slash HoldenatorsHo. More importantly, actually, fuck my stream. Let's talk about Jake's stream. Twitch.tv forward slash Puppet oh That's my a way God. cooler place to hang.
3: I mean, I, all I do is the flagship stream over there, the cartoon dumpster. It is a weekly deep dive into some of the weirdest, most uh, mind-bogglingly uh, confounding animated atrocities of the 80s, 90s, and 2000s. Some recent favorites have been uh, the old Ozzy and Drix show from the early, late oh 90s, God. early 2000s, the Osmosis Jones-Tian show. Ah, hell yeah. You never thought that like you could have fun adventures in a tween's balls, but there was a puberty episode and it happened. Yikes. Um, <laughs> Uh, alright never mind also, come back ho- to my stream come back to my stream we're not doing it either. no you know it's a really great place they can <laughs> hang out at twitch.tv slash LPN TV yes. for Tears of a Clown our new show uh, that we do through Last Podcast Network where we rank the things that need ranking with the help of a demonic clown woman
2: I couldn't have said it better myself Tears of a Clown on Wednesday LPN TV on Twitch by the way, we also do have a $25 layer for Wizard and the Bruiser in which you get a special shout-out on an episode. And we had one come in from a, a listener, a patron uh, who goes by Stockman, who says, Matthew Paul Stockman, I escaped the debauchery loop. Eat cacti from both ends. Shitbird Hold Holdenators, Oh, ho! Thank you so much, uh, Stockman, for your wonderful message. There you go. There you have it finally we're at the closing line hey always remember never stop bruising
3: and keep on whizzing this show
2: is made possible by listeners like you thanks to our ad sponsors you can support our shows by supporting them for more shows like the one you just listened to go to lastpodcastnetwork.com